Hi, I'm Val Hart in San Antonio, Texas, founder of Val Hart & Friends at ValHart.com. Welcome to The Real Dr. Doolittle Show, the show for animals and the people who love them. I've been called a real-life Dr. Doolittle many times in my career as an expert animal communicator, behaviorist, pet psychic, and master healer. My mission and passion is to improve the lives of animals the world over by helping humans learn how to speak their language, how to understand their viewpoints, and heal. After all, our love of animals helps us be better humans, and the more balanced and healthy we are, the more balanced and healthy they can be, too. Be sure and look for my CDs on iTunes, and to find out more about my work and to receive your free Quick Start Animal Talk course, just go to my website at valhart.com. While you're there for a limited time, you can also apply for a complimentary Happy Animal Assessment Session. And if you want to learn how to be your own Dr. Doolittle, check out the world's first complete animal communication made easy system available now on my website at valhart.com. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Val Hart, the real Dr. Doolittle, and I'm talking today with Lynn Baber. She reduces complex issues down to matters of simple choice, whether the topic is faith, relationship, animals, politics, or society. After a career as both a business and equine professional, Christian author Lynn Baber retired as a national and world champion breeder and trainer, having judged horse shows in both the United States and in Europe. Lynn's work centers on the concept of transformative relationship, worthy leadership, and building faith to overcome fear. She openly shares lessons learned through personal experience with domestic violence, hopelessness, serious family illness, failure, perseverance, success, and becoming fearless. A director of Amazing Gray's Ministry, Lynn teaches under the brand Christian Horse Training. She lives in Weatherford, Texas, over here somewhat close by me in San Antonio, Texas, and she shares the barn with her husband, six horses, three dogs, three cats, and only two goats. Oh, all right, so for more information on Lynn, you can go to her website at lynnbaber.com or check out amazinggraysministry.com. Welcome to the show, Lynn. I'm so delighted you're here. Thank you, Val, and I so appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I, it's, I, I love what you're doing. Your books are gorgeous. You have a number of books. We're going to talk about that in a while. Um, but I really wanted to know how did Amazing Grace and Amazing Grace, how did this book come to be? What inspired you to create that? Well, actually, it was one of those things that you only know that it happens in hindsight. Hmm. Uh, there would be no Amazing Grace if it wasn't for two amazing gray quarter horses. Mm. I had retired from being, you know, the professional trainer and breeder and judge and all that and and was in a huge life transition, Mm -hmm. had cared for my elderly in-laws. They both passed away within a week of each other, and and then it was back to work with the horses. Mm. And most people know that when you're a trainer, you don't have that much time for your own personal horses because you're working Mm -hmm. with client horses. Right. So I had about 10 horses, and there really weren't any of them at the time that I said, oh, this is my horse. And I had two gray cord horses. One was just coming two years old, and one was coming four years old. And training them was challenging. Uh, they were very different characters and personalities. Hmm. And, and I would go out each day and I would work with them. And, and for some reason the next morning, I would I would just scribble notes about, you know, what had happened and, and what I taught that horse. And, hmm. and my, notes, my notes started adding up. Huh. And I meet with God first thing every morning. And I was so surprised when one, one morning I'm sitting there thinking, you know, boy, this is what I taught this horse because it had made this mistake or done this thing. And, and uh, I kind of heard these words in the back of my head and I said, ah, that lesson was for you. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So the, long, the short answer is over a series of months, the scribbles added up as I learned so much about leadership and relationship and being worthy and making promises and keeping them in a way I had been doing but didn't recognize 
that I was doing. Mm. Uh, and so it was these two quarter horses. And, and uh, eventually all those scribblings turned into a book. The, the name is Amazing Graves just for those two horses. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's, the, it's the journey that they started me on and they led me on, and I live in the barn with them now. I love that. That is so cool. Can you tell us one, uh, give us an example. For instance, what was one lesson that really came home to you? Well, there's a couple of different ones that, okay. that are interesting. They're, they're very unique. Um, okay. And, you know, we, we learn the most from the most challenging situations. Yes. The Swizzle, the, the coming two-year-old quarter horse, Swizzle is, is, an, is a personality who, by genetics, is unbalanced. Mm. Some people are like that. Um, unbalance comes either from our experience or we just simply come that way. And, and she came unbalanced. And, oh, my goodness, she was so sweet, so willing, so her memory so wonderful. And I thought she was going to be the easiest horse to start under saddle I had ever done. Mm. Well, <laughs> I just always go as you expect. And the first time I actually asked her to move her feet while I was riding her, let's just say that the third time I came off, I landed on my feet. <laughs> so obviously, things, I, I was just going, oh, my goodness, I'm asking you. You're calm. You're confident. We're doing wonderfully. All of a sudden, boom, I'm on my back on the ground. Oh, I, Okay, well, now let's take a look at this. Let me talk to you about this. Tell me what the problem is. Let me rephrase this. Let's go again. And so working through that with her gave me such a gift mm. to, to understand motivation, to, to say all of these things. Whenever a horse acts out, whether they buck, they kick, they balk, these all come from places of weakness, not from strength. Mm -hmm, And she offered me the opportunity to learn how to offer her worthy leadership. So so Swizzle continues to be a challenge and a lifelong gift. God was just so brilliant in in how he gave me her. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Bo... I'll get, tell you one thing about Bo. Bo is wonderful. He he's he's uh, he's a gelding. He's a very constant personality, very level. He's he's the natural herd leader. Mm. Uh, and and one one quick story. And I, we talked about this earlier. But one day I got off Bo, and, and I don't tie my horses up. I seldom use halters. Mm-hmm. You know, when I put them someplace and kind of like sit stay, I expect them to stay there. So I had gotten off. We'd been out riding, and, and we were in the breezeway, and I pulled off his bridle and walked over to the tack room. And when I came out of the tack room to get his saddle, I looked, and I said, you know, I left you about 20 feet away. Why don't you come down here because it's easier for you to carry the saddle than for me to carry the saddle. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at him, and, and he looked back at me, and he was very quiet and calm and happy, and his ears were perked and looking at me, and his eyes were bright. And and I said, well, come here. And, and he goes, yeah, uh-huh. And his feet didn't move. <laughs> and I said, okay, this is curious. You're looking right at me. You know exactly what I want. You're completely okay. able to come here. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not unhappy. You're not upset. You're mm-hmm. not frustrated. I wonder why in the world you're not coming. And at that moment, I realized, how many times have I shown this face to God? <laughs> so anyway, we, uh-huh. we learn so much from our horses about that mirror, that mirror of who we are, because nothing will tell us more quickly who we are truly than our horses. Yes, I love that. It, and, you know, I talk about that in my work. I call it the human-animal-body-mind connection. And it's how they mirror and reflect us. And they, of course, can mirror and reflect God, because uh, God's in all of us. Um, but they also mirror and reflect our imbalances, our wounds, our misunderstandings, our confusion. They also can carry our illness, our stress, you know, our pain. 
Um, so I love that you're doing that and that you've got the concept. You're working it. Huh, so you got it. Yeah, I think you, you come at it from just a little bit different viewpoint. Of that. Mm-hmm. I agree with you completely on that. But, you know, I tend to be kind of analytical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm 100% relationship-based. But I look at horses and I said, the reason they are such perfect study partners and, mm-hmm. and how – uh, well we're doing and what we should doing is yeah. because they are are so like God. First of all, you know, animals never fell from grace. They didn't sin. Mm-hmm. They 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 got a plan from God and a spirit from God and, and they never told them they had a better idea like we have. <laughs> and the other thing about horses that is just so amazing is the fact that, you know, they don't care how pretty we are. They don't care how much money we have, and they don't care who we know. We we can't walk up to a horse and, and you know, with all kinds of bravado and, and think that we can intimidate them when we're really a mouse and a pipsqueak in the corner. Mm-hmm. They're not going to buy it. <laughs> you know, God doesn't either. So right. when the horse looks back at us with that kind of like, um, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. It, it's, we probably deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> true <laughs> i love it that's great all right so um let's, let's keep going here so you said that nothing is truly important if it doesn't involve relationship with someone else mm-hmm. tell Absolutely. me what you mean by that what do you mean by that well if you look at what are treasures in life what are the things that um in, in a way i look at it like a picture you know mm-hmm. let's let's think forward and let's think about this is our last moment, and we're, we're reviewing the movie of our life and the things that we most treasured and the things that perhaps we regret, the things that are the greatest sources of joy and emotion always have to do with someone else. And the things that are truly regretful are the things that we did not do with someone else. We're not going to regret that we didn't buy a blue dress or, or pink bell boots or, you know, a rhinestone collar for the dog. We're going to regret that we didn't spend more time with the people that we loved, mm-hmm. that the things that were truly important in life are always those that involve another spirit, another soul, another being. And so it's that relationship that's important. Right. Thank you for bringing that out. I think in today's world, we tend to get sidetracked with all the stuff, you know, of life, the trappings, the uh, possessions, uh, uh, all those kinds of things, and we tend to forget that the relationships are what really what it's all about. And that's well, what makes a life worth yeah. living. Temptations and distractions. And that's something else that, that we learn from horses. Mm-hmm. When a horse... You know, when you're riding along on your horse, and let's say someone is showing their horse on the rail, and you want that horse to be really consistent, well, all of a sudden the horse picks his head up and looks at something that's happening outside of the arena. Right. That's the distraction. Very much, uh, yes. And so all of those extraneous things or events that happen outside of the relationship, those are the things that throw us off track. So you are so right. Mm, yeah, got it. Okay, so let's talk about transformative relationship. You say that's the treasure at the end of the rainbow. Um, All seek it, but few find it. Um, Our relationships with animals and horses in particular is the best treasure map available on earth. You want to tell me more about that? I think that's wonderful. Well, transformative relationship is, you know, exactly what it says. By by definition, it means that we've been changed. And and it almost always means, uh, in the good way, that we are more than we were before. Uh, You know, people have fear. Horses have fear. And when people who who do the, the horse thing, you know, they're so impressed when they see a situation where, you know, a horse uh, does not react negatively to gunfire or doesn't react to uh, a loud noise or flying tarps or, or all those things that most horses find 
quite disturbing. Yes. Uh, and the horse does not react to them, and they're like so amazed that this clinician or the training has been able to remove this fear response from the horse. Well, there's only one way to do that, and that's by replacing the fear with faith in something else. So you think about, you know, if it's just me, what can I accomplish? Well, there are certain things I can accomplish, but if it's me and Val, we can do so much more. Uh, a horse can only do so much on their own, and, and one of the examples I'd love to get is prisance, you know, wall jumping. Mm-hmm. And and you th- you think of these horses that can jump walls that are more than seven feet tall. Wow. Well, a horse on their own would look at a seven-foot block solid wall and go, okay, I think I'm pretty much penned up. <laughs> but you put a rider on their back, and when they create such a level of trust and confidence and communication that others can't even see, that permits, and, and you can see it on YouTube videos, you'll see that horse and rider and they doesn't even have to be a bridle or a saddle involved. Mm. Bareback and bridleless, this relationship has changed what the human is capable of doing as well as what the horse is capable of doing. And together they can fly over a seven-foot block wall. Wow. We face things that to others are, okay, dead stop. This is impossible. We can't do this. But by relationship, we can be changed when we're connected to others on that kind of a level. Whew, that's powerful. That's really powerful. But it's something everybody can do if they're committed. Yeah. So, mm, brilliant example. I love that. I've got that image in my mind, and it's so true. You're absolutely right. The things that you know we think that we can't do by ourselves, we probably can't. <laughs> but when exactly. we connect, right? But when we connect with uh, with others, all of a sudden the power of the the group, the partnership, the uh, something takes us to bigger. I think there's the uh, what's the phrase in the Bible? The the passage about um, together we are greater. Uh, or with God, we're greater than. Do you remember that? I'm sure Always. you do. Always. Yeah, exactly. All right. But, so but look at nature. Let's just look at nature. Mm-hmm. Every dog, every puppy is born looking for a pack. It, it knows instinctively to look for group, to look for family. Mm-hmm. Every horse ever born stood up looking for a herd because they just come with that spirit of looking for safety, entertainment, security, leadership, guidance, and life mm-hmm. in a group with more mm-hmm. than just them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And humans are the same way. It is interesting, isn't it? Because in our society, so many of us are cut off from community. You know, we're living yeah. solitary lives. Apartments are, you know, by ourselves, basically. Uh, we're interacting with technology, uh, not in face-to-face much anymore. Um, it's very interesting, isn't it? So, the, and, and yet, like you just said, animals know, and this is part of the wisdom and the gift of our animals, that, that you have to be in community. And if you're not in community, it's, it's almost like a life not well lived. <laughs> well, it is. It's like, what did you live for. Yeah, right. To go viral on YouTube, mm-hmm. there's no relationship there. And and that's one of those distractions and temptations in mm-hmm. society today that that is geared to draw us away from what is possible. And it's just like that horse does not know it's possible to jump the wall, nor would it be possible for the man alone to jump the wall. Mm-hmm. Unless someone shows them that this is possible, that there is so much more in relationship than what you can imagine today. That is the gift of what you do. That's what we hope to bring to people, the picture of what is possible. Yeah. Brilliant. 
Okay. So what is the similarity between relationship with your horses and the one that you have with God or with spirit? Well, it's it's basically simple. Almost everything comes down to one or two things, but in this one it's it's kind of three things. The first thing is somebody has to show up. And and for horses that means you actually have to be in the presence of a horse. Mm. Uh, when I want to work with a horse, first thing I have to do is, is the horse has to come over here or or somehow be put into my presence. The normal way that it happens when a trainer meets a horse or a brand new horse who has never been introduced to a human before is, is they meet in a round pen. And the round pen is simply a tool that requires the horse to show up. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, God, God can't do much with us if, if we go, you know, no thanks, I'm not coming. It's like, well, mm-hmm. right. you know, there you go. Uh, and the second <laughs> thing is once, once we're both there, you know, once you're with God, you can establish a beginning. It's possible. Once you're actually with a horse or with your, with anyone else for that matter, you can begin to look at how do we find a beginning. And and focus is the second thing. Uh, it's kind of the three parts, show up, focus, and then offer obedience. And so focus means you have to know that I'm here with you and you have to pay attention. And many people think that focus is something that you can demand. Uh, certain types of horse training methods, certain ways of teaching kids. Uh, some people you know, think that God is someone who comes in and, and takes a two-by-four to, to get your attention. Mm-hmm. And indeed, some, some people try to do similar things with horses or other animals. Mm-hmm. But that does not create relationship. That creates fear. Mm-hmm. So focus is, is a skill. Focus is, is done moment by moment. Focus is just simply with a horse. What can I do to earn you, your attention, to get an eye and an ear to look at me? Mm-hmm. And then we have an opportunity to begin to communicate. And the way we begin to communicate with horses and the way we learn to communicate with God and to believe what he says or to believe what I am saying to the horse is I make a promise. Mm-hmm. I make a very small promise. And then I keep it. Hmm. And then over time, as we build communication, as we build vocabulary, as I ask something, it is very simple. It is easy for the horse to do and the way I ask it will make it the most uh, natural response for the horse to make. And then every time they say yes, I say thank you and I stop asking. Mm. <laughs> and then over time they learn that every time I make a promise, I keep it. Mm. And I tell them, nothing will ever hurt you. You will always be secure. Mm-hmm. I control all the big things in life, and you don't have to worry about them anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's the same promise we get from from God, from our relationship with Christ. It's the same thing I try to prove to the horse every day. You don't need to worry about this. Your faith in me is placed well. Mm-hmm. And I am worthy to not only make the correct promises, but to deliver on them without exception. Wow. I love that. That makes so much sense. And I know... Oh, really? (laughs) Well, it is, and it's really quite brilliant. So show up, focus, and that's not by demand or from fear, but it's by choice. Absolutely. Choose to focus. Mm-hmm. And, and exactly, you, you, we choose to focus on what is worthy of our attention, right? What we have interest in. Yes. Um, and then uh, you call it offering obedience, um, and it's I think even bigger than that. It's making that promise and keeping it, keeping your word. And I know, especially with horses, I think maybe dogs are a little more forgiving, but horses. It really counts. If you make a promise and keep it, they're going to test you if they want to know if you're worthy. You know, are you really who you say you are? Um, can I really trust you? And you got it. You got it, it, it is. And the thing about people is we don't 
recognize when we make when we lie to a horse. Mm-hmm. Ah. It, it people don't recognize it. They don't do it on purpose. They they don't recognize. It. For example, one of the things that is one of my personal rules mm-hmm. is that when I first meet a horse, any horse, um, I'm going to introduce myself to the horse first of all. It isn't like hi, here I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I do this. And if I should happen to take a lead rope in my hand on the occasions where one actually uses a halter and lead rope, I, I don't a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be uh, someone who's, who's uh, learning here, taking a lesson, or at a clinic, or working with something else. One of my rules is I never take the slack out of the lead rope. And, and that's that offer, obedience. Hmm. Obedience in order to truly be obedience means there must be an opportunity to not obey. Otherwise, it's coercion. Obedience is a gift. Obedience, again, it's not like focus. If you demand focus, it's based on fear. If you demand obedience, it's, it's dominance or coercion. Horses mm-hmm. mm-hmm. know the difference. Yes, they do. And when you put, that's that's something very simple. And people, you can watch this. Anybody can go anywhere that they have horses and halters and lead ropes. And most people will tell you, okay, I'm going to take the slack, lead slack into da 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 da. Well, watch them for about 20 minutes and see how many times they pull on the horse. Mm. And every time they do, they've told the horse, I didn't really mean it. Hmm. Interesting. Tell me, uh, tell me a story about that. Can you illustrate that? Oh, uh, absolutely. One of the things I love to do whenever we do a program or a ministry event or something is we always offer a challenge. Ah. I mean, it's a physical challenge. It takes horses, it takes people. And, well, there's one reason to do the challenge, and that is people who don't have a need don't look for answers or solutions. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. before I bring a message or I I bring some kind of a lesson, you know, I want to make sure people are interested and kind of listen because Mm -hmm. they go, okay. And so challenges generally are asking people to do things they're pretty sure they can do. And and because of the way the challenge is set up, they always fail. Mm. And so they will look and say, uh... How do you do this? Like, oh, okay, let me show you. Mm-hmm. And then we're able to move forward. That's one of those focus things. Mm-hmm. Now I have their attention. So we'll use, for example, an obstacle course. And most people are used to using halters and lead ropes, and horses are used to them, and they're really crutches. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let's take uh, a particular horse, and we're going to have uh, a neck rope, a lariat go on this horse, no halter. And I'll tell people, okay, crew, there's four or five of you, and here's a very simple obstacle course. Move the horse through the obstacle course, but you can't touch the horse and you can't speak to one another. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they're all horse people for the most part, and they'll kind of get going, and then they always get to a certain spot because I always make sure they get to a certain <laughs> spot. And then you, you see what's going on. Uh, and whoever is watching, the rest of the audience or the other groups or teams, um, I usually ask them to honk. It, it's participation. It gets people involved. And I say, when you see people break the rules, because the rules are can't talk to each other, can't touch the horse, and oh, by the way, you may never take the slack out of that rope. Mm-hmm. Immediate disqualification. Never take the slack. Okay. So if, if people talk, if they touch, or if they take the slack out, the rest of the audience starts yelling honk, honk, honk. Okay. <laughs> Every single time, they're going to end up taking the slack out, and they're going to start pulling on that horse. And I'll say, just a second, just a second, you're being humped at. Mm-hmm. Why did you do that? Well, I had to. Why did you have to? Well, because if I hadn't, the horse wouldn't have done what I wanted. Well, just a second. The rule was not that the horse had to do something. <laughs> you're the one that broke the rule. Uh-huh. And we don't recognize when we do that. Ah. Isn't that fascinating? And wow. 
The other thing about people, it, it comes down to communication and habit. Mm-hmm. I'll have some, I had several people here recently, and they all did something similar with their own horses. One of them is a world champion uh, show person. These people have been in the horses and even had their horses for, you know, 10 to 15 years. These are accomplished horsewomen. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to do something very simple. I had a three-stage obstacle course. They had a rope around their horse's neck, and I wanted them simply to back their horse through two parallel ground poles. Mm-hmm. Now, they were sure they could do that. Yeah. And none of them could. Huh. And so, okay, well, gosh, why not? Can, yeah. Is your horse unable to do this, or, or is he unwilling? Uh-huh. And one by one, as they failed to get the horse they knew and loved, to back through this little simple thing, they all said, oh, the horse is unwilling, the horse is unwilling. Oh, okay. But we get to the end, and and basically the horses were unable. And the reason was because they were not receiving direction or communication in a way that they recognized. Because the crutch of halter and lead and the stress of the situation, the, the... the ladies who were who were guiding their horses were doing things they had never done before. I asked them, I said, is this how you back your horse home? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, then why are you doing it this way here? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you're right, because you took them out of their traditional way of doing things, and then they didn't have any other way to They couldn't think out of the box, right? Well, what you do is you discover where you have a lapse in communication. Right, right. And so it's just a way to show, you know what, here's an opportunity. Everything, every time your horse says no to something, it's an opportunity. Yep. I love that. That's something to write down. Every time your horse says no, it's an opportunity. Absolutely. I love it. Well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also translates to dogs and cats oh, yes. and people. Mm-hmm. Yep, I love it. Thank you. Thanks for bringing that out. Well, there's one thing that's different though with people, and, and you kind of have to you kind of have to mention it. Um, when we think about why horses are such wonderful partners, and and why everything we do that helps them helps us more, mm-hmm. and they're so wonderful because horses never lie to themselves or to anyone else. Mm-hmm. They're honest mm-hmm. about things. Yeah. Unfortunately for us, for people, we lie to ourselves and we lie to other people. And the saddest thing is sometimes we don't even know when we're doing it. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that out. It's good. It's very good. Let's talk about success and failure. Okay. You've got some really good ways of working with success and failure. Um, you have a simple way of addressing this. Uh, want to talk about that for a minute? Oh, it's, it, you know, it really is the foundation of everything. I'm so glad you asked, Sal. When you look at a horse, a dog, as you said, a person, and, and they are not successful, mm-hmm. there's only one of two reasons, and there is no third. They were either unable to do what was required to be successful or they were unwilling to do it. So another way to say that is either I can't do it or I won't do it. Mm-hmm. And they're very different things. Um, when someone uh, is unable to do something, uh, let's take a horse. All right, I have a horse, and I want my horse to be able to, let's just say, back through these two parallel poles we were talking about a little bit. Mm-hmm. The ladies asked the horses to do something, and they were unsuccessful. They failed, and they were surprised that they failed. Mm-hmm. Well, was the horse able to back? Okay, physically, sure, the horse was able to back through the poles, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Was the horse unwilling to back? Is that the reason? Did the horse just kind of say, uh-uh, no, I'm not going to do it? Mm-hmm. Nope. The horses were, were perfectly content, stood there, were, were gracious, Mm-hmm. Um, it, basically, the horses didn't know what the people wanted them to do. They were unable because they didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so whether it is, um, you know, you want to uh, publish a book, mm-hmm. 
a lot of people want to write their story and publish a book. Okay, well, have you done it? No. Well, are you able to? Are you able to write? Are you, you know, just make the laundry list of are you able to do this or that? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it really works with everyone. It is, it is a simple um, yes or no, either or, that you simply break every challenge down to one step at a time and ask the question, am I able? If I am, am I willing? And, and many times we're not willing to do the things. Uh, we'll say, oh, you know, I would love to be able to buy a really expensive car or an expensive horse or an expensive piece of jewelry, but I just don't have the money. I'm unable to do it. It's like, okay, so, so what's the problem? Well, I don't have the money. Okay, are you able to get money? Well, yeah. Okay, what do you have to do in order to get the money? Well, yeah, but I don't want to do that. Okay, so it isn't that you can't get what you want. You're not willing to do what you have to do mm-hmm. to get what you want. Yeah. And it's, everything comes down to that, ability and willingness. Yeah. Well said. So I love that you brought that down actually into asking those questions one at a time because it does fundamentally come down to being willing or not willing. I think what our our, our wonderful philosopher Yoda says, <laughs> you either do or you don't do. There's no try. Absolutely. You do it or you don't. It's that it just breaks down to that. And well, when since it comes... you bring that up with, with the wonderful <laughs> philosopher, I have to bring this up because it reminds me. <laughs> okay. I had a ministry group that were here one day. They're all singers, and they were here because they had not ridden horses, and one was terribly fearful of horses. So we got them all up on on our horses. Anyway, Mm -hmm. as we were having all these really lofty conversations and discussions, Mm -hmm. one of of them said something that I just went, oh, my goodness, that is so profound. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, enough is as good as a feast. And I went, oh, wow. Isn't that the most profound thing about relationship, about anything? When there's enough, it's enough. It's a feast. And I said, where did you hear that? Oh, I want to use that, and I just always want to, you know, attribute things appropriately. And she kind of looked funny, and she said, Mary Poppins. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. There's God's wisdom and truth all around us if we just Indeed. have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I love that. That's so great. All right. So you boil it down to I can't or I won't. And you keep asking the question. So you break down every challenge um, to find out what the real truth is. Yes. It- and here's another example. Um, okay. I was at, I was at a book signing. Well, it was an author event. Early on, uh, the publisher sent me to do these things, and I learned a lot. But I don't go to author events any longer. Anyway, at the table next to me was was a lady, and she was having. Uh, we got to chat during the day. You know how it is, Val. You know, mm-hmm. people who like to communicate communicate. We find some. <laughs> and and she had was having a huge problem with. Um, a member of the family who was an alcoholic. Mm. Well, I, I have some understanding of that from previous history. And, oh, such great angst and, and uh, these things that do present to us. And one of the things about us is that we're unable to consult with ourselves, whether it's a business or a personal thing. We just don't see the big picture. So over the course of the next 20 minutes, I simply asked questions mm. that elicited a response from her. Was mm-hmm. someone unable or unwilling? Was mm. someone unable or unwilling? And at the end of the 20 minutes, she said, you know, this is a choice that I have to react this way. Yes. That's, and, and so I told her, you, you are so right. <laughs> yeah. And she was. And there's nothing... There's no problem. There's no failure. There's nothing that can't guided, and, and I know that you're so good at that, that is guided to let us go to one small question at a time. Not a big question, mm-hmm. a small yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. And that relates back, I'm thinking, to training as well, because when you break it down, and for 
for ourselves as learning anything and also to help an animal learn something, you break it down into those little small steps of small questions. You know, and you build, yeah, build the confidence by giving them something that they can say yes to, right? Exactly. And that is the difference between success and failure. It's what is our habit. You know that when you ask the question or make the request from the horse or the dog or whatever, that it is easy for them to say yes to. And then the next one they say yes. And you say, oh, that was so good. And the next one, that was just perfect. We have built step by step a history and a habit of success. What generally is the case is we ask something far too great and we get a no. Right. And the horse or or dog or person may not be able to say yes. So we say, okay, let me ask you a simpler question. Right. And you ask a simpler question. Well, they may still not be able or or motivated to say yes. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we keep ratcheting back is we have created a history and a habit of failure. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I hope that our listeners today are thinking of places that they've been successful or have failed or that they're facing perhaps an opportunity or challenge ahead where they're afraid of failure, right? And mm-hmm. that they can take this concept and help them walk their way through it to find where they can be successful, well, what, build, just, yeah. what you just said was key, Val, and that is they're afraid of failure. Right. So what does that mean? Does that mean they're unable to do what they want? Mm-hmm. No. What that means is they're unwilling to try. It is more important to them not to be afraid than it is to actually meet their goal. Mm. Thank you. For, say that again. Okay, again, it's unwilling or unable. People who are afraid to fail, and that is the reason they do not try, it's because their fear of failure is greater than their desire to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's anything that we do that is 100% guaranteed, it, it's something we've already done. It, it's yeah. a repeat. Anything that we try that we have not already succeeded at, there's going to be a risk factor. Yes. And so when we're afraid to fail, let's ask ourselves a smaller question and start building a history and habit of success so that each successive step is just no bigger than the last one was and was no bigger than the one before that. Yeah. That brings us to something I wanted to mention or ask you about, let's talk about, and that's the relationship between fear and faith. Mm. Well, fear for Christians, and I'll just jump right back to that. Okay. Um, there's only two reasons any Christian could possibly have to have fear. Now, now, most people do have fear because none of us are perfect in our faith. None of us are perfect training horses. Um, but those two reasons are, number one, we're afraid that God cannot handle whatever our particular problem is. It's too big. It's too tough. It's too difficult. He just can't. Well, you know, you ask most people who believe in God, they'll say, oh, no, 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 he, he can handle it. Okay. And yet you're afraid. Mm-hmm. That means the only other option is you're afraid he's not going to handle it the way you want him to. Mm-hmm which is a completely different issue. And then we get back to show up, focus, and number three, offer obedience. Mm, Our Our faith is in something that is worthy, something that has the power to keep every promise made. And so our horses have fear because they don't think that we can handle the problem. Or they're put in a circumstance where any option they would have has been removed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they have nothing. Yeah. Well done. 
So if you find yourself afraid, ask yourself, where is are you unwilling to try? Is the fear greater than your desire? Break those things down into baby steps. And then come to the heart of it, which is do you believe that there's a force greater than yourself, God, spirit, the universe, whatever fits with your philosophy for our listeners. Um, do you believe that that is can handle the problem? Right? And and in my own belief I know that where I've been guided and where I am right now is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And there's something here for me to learn, to evolve, to heal, to grow, to share. Uh, there's something here that's really important. And when I get that gift, that treasure, um, then I'll be presented with what's next. And with each step, of, like you said, I'm building a habit of success Each step I take improves my confidence, improves my reach, improves my message, improves how I serve, you know, and how I show up in the world. Absolutely. And that takes us right back, Val, to where we started, which is that concept of transformative relationship. Yes. What are we afraid of? That's where our our support, our victory, our Mm -hmm. treasure comes from having relationship with that one, whomever it is, uh, that is worthy of our faith. And when we have that trust, the knowledge that no matter what, the promise will not be broken, the commitment is enough, we find the antidotes to our fear. It doesn't necessarily come from within us, it's presented to us. It's shown to us. As as I teach my horses to be bold, to be confident, to believe in what they can do, mm-hmm. they do more. And, and it's the same thing for us. It is finding that transformative relationship, not just, hey, I'm so good, but mm-hmm. together with you, I have great faith. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Hmm. And I like the other part of this, too, because this really gets down to the nut of it. I think sometimes is that God or spirit or your horse isn't going to handle it or do it the way that we want, mm-hmm. right? So there's that other piece, and that's the surrendering piece, I think. It, it is. Absolutely it is. But there's also a lesson there. There, yeah. there are, For example, one, one last little story here, Val. I had a, a, a great Arabian came into training. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I'm telling you, he, he, no, it wasn't, it was a great quarter horse. So here's one of those things. There, there are two different stories, but here's a great quarter horse. He's only okay. a He was a wonderful horse, but his owner wanted me to tune him up so she could sell him because he, he didn't, um, stop on his hind end and she couldn't keep him cantering. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine, well, let me work on him and then you can sell him. So this horse was wonderful. Oh my goodness, it was a delightful horse. And and he did everything I asked. We fixed we fixed the stop. He never told me no. And so at that time I rode horses out in the desert uh, mm-hmm. because I wanted to know what they would do in any situation because if they were going to be sold and I represented them, I had to know what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm out in the desert with him one day, and all of a sudden he stopped. Mm-hmm. I, we'll have to, I said, would you please move forward? And he said, I, I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. Would you please move forward? I don't believe so. Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. So he did not escalate in his refusal. And because he did not escalate in his refusal, I did not escalate in my request. And then I saw the problem. Mm -hmm. There was a rattlesnake Mm -hmm. five feet ahead underneath a creeset bush. Mm -hmm. The horse knew more than I did. Right. And so sometimes when a horse does not do what you want, it's not, how can I get you to do something different? It's like, why? Right. Right. There's so many things that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And we can possibly know. Absolutely. And so if things don't ha- happen, to handle, uh, happen the way we wanted them to, there's a reason for it. Absolutely. Yeah, a good reason. 
<laughs> Oftentimes a very good reason. <laughs> really, really good reason. <laughs> uh, so I love what you did. So you, you backed up. You, you didn't get more forceful, which is what so many would do. Um, you simply stayed present. Uh, you kept asking for what you want, which is what we're supposed to keep doing, right, is keep asking for what you want and then surrender how it's how the universe or God responds. You know, uh, you ask for what you want and then let it go. Absolutely. It's knowing where he was. And I trusted that he was not just pulling something on me. Right. And he trusted that I wasn't going to punish him for saying no. Yeah. And so we just sat there and spoke to one another quietly until I finally knew what he did. Yeah. And then I just simply steered him around it and all was great. And at the end of the story, the lady came, she rode her horse. And she recognized that the fault was hers. Yes. And she ended up taking lessons, and she kept the horse for the rest of his life. Oh, that's a wonderful story. I love that. What a brilliant story. Yay! You said you had another story, though. What was the one with the Arabians? Oh, oh well, the great, oh, well, you know, there are several great Arabians I actually have. Oh, I'm sure there are. <laughs> and, and this particular horse, oh, just real quickly, he came, and um, he was going to be tuned up for sale as well. Sometimes you get those horses. And my favorite, favorite, favorite outcome was always I got a horse that was going to be tuned up for sale, but we found out what the problem really was, fixed the problem, and the horse was never sold. And that was always my favorite outcome. But this particular horse, he was he was pretty sure that he was boss and he could outstubborn anyone. Well, of course, no. My promise to him was, I will always be able to answer your objection. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and so this particular horse, um, his issue was he would – choose his place, and stop moving forward. Hmm. That was just his way of saying, I am done, I'm taking over. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, fine. Um, And it didn't matter. That was just whatever he came up with, whenever he wanted to do something. That was Mm -hmm. fine. Well, uh, eventually I said, all right, you know, we were going to go through this little bitty dip, and he said, no, I'm not going forward. And I said, well, I believe you should. And he said, no, I don't believe I should. And I said, well, I'm fine. So I backed him up. Some horses think backing up is wonderful. Some things... Some horses think backing up is, is the greatest punishment you can come up with. So <laughs> what you do has to be appropriate for the particular individual. Yes. This horse went, okay, I can back up. And I said, fine. Okay. So we backed up and I asked him to go forward. And as always happens, when I asked him to go forward, he didn't even go as far as he had the last time. Uh-huh. Before he said, okay, I'm not even going to give you that much. <laughs> Okay, well, let's back up some more. Well, to make a long story short, we ended up eventually backing about a quarter mile. Wow. And then he said, you know what, perhaps I should go forward. And I said, what a wonderful idea. I'm so glad you thought of that. (laughs) We continued continued that particular ride. Well, it was probably the next afternoon. We're riding someplace else out in the desert. And he sees a street sign and decided, oh, I cannot go past that sign. It was like, okay, are you able to go past the sign or are you unwilling to go past the sign? Well, of course, he could walk past the sign, which meant he didn't want to. Right. Well, I backed him up about 10 feet and I said, would you like to go forward? And he said, you know, perhaps that would be a good idea. <laughs> and so it's, we never fought with one another. Uh-huh. You know, fighting and proving who who's stronger or more powerful or mm-hmm. or meanest or nastiest that does nothing to build faith. Mm-hmm. I made that horse a promise and I kept it. Yeah, great story. I love it. I, I'm just thinking, how often does God do that to us too? <laughs> We had something, and he goes, would you, would you like to just sit in your, uh, you know, stew for a while? Um, uh, okay, are you tired of stewing? Well, then, would you like to take action? Well, maybe that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that would be a good idea. Maybe that's, that's a good nice. idea. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. I think maybe I have to do something. Okay, finally, I'm ready. I'm finally willing. There you go. That's great. That's great. All right. I'm uh, checking our time here. Let's uh, let's start wrapping it up. I could talk to you all day. I just want to come hang out and um, 
have fun uh, with you, but let's talk about, I know you've got so many wonderful books. You've got Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace. Um, you've got He Came Looking for Me, which is a wonderful, you said similar to the classic Black Beauty story, um, oh my God. Here's the story of that book in, in, a, in a nutshell. Okay. Um, we, when we moved to Texas from Arizona where I had a large training facility, we, I have always, I did my business for the market. I actually made money in the horse industry because we marketed to people who wanted to buy something. Mm-hmm. And when we moved to Texas, we had uh, been breeding Appaloosas as well as doing a lot of other things. And we went strictly quarter horses, high-end cutters, and reiners here in Texas. And we sold about everything. And the last two babies of, of one of the most significant horses in my life were sold as weanlings in 2000. Mm-hmm. Nine years later... I'm having a conversation with the Lord, and he says, go find these two and bring them home. Mm. I'm like, I don't need two more horses. We're retired. <laughs> no, kind of like, go, and it wasn't just go find two Appaloosas or two of the ones you've, you've produced over the years. Go find these two. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty specific. I, I suppose I, I might as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I called someone who knew the people that had purchased them Nine years earlier. Wow. Remarkably, the cell phone call went through, and I said, I'm looking for these two horses. And she said, oh, did you see their picture in the newspaper this week? Wow. And I said, excuse me, um, what newspaper would that be? And she said, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Their picture was on one of the front pages. Those two horses. Wow. Wow. And I went, okay, I don't get that paper. But so I headed to the Internet and brought up the story from like two or three days earlier. Right. And it was a long story with only two images. They were both of the horses I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And the story was on horse slaughter. Mm. Wow. Okay, that was not good. So here's, here's the rest of it. God works in amazing ways. And the things that happened over the next three days only happen when God puts them into action. Three days later, those horses were home with us. They're still here in the barn with me. Wow. And we found them exactly when they needed to be found. Yes. And so that is the story of of He Came Looking for Me. Wow. You're divinely guided, and thank God you heard the call and you took action, and you were willing. And I have learned so much from those two horses as well. Wow. And we continue to learn. Yes, always. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you so much. much. It is such a treat to speak with you. Yes, it totally is. Just like I said, I would just be really happy to sit and chat all day. Um, or go play with horses with you. It would be awesome. Sounds um, even better. Even better. Um, so let's tell our folks um, how to find you. Um, you have several websites, uh, christianhorsetraining.com. You have Lynn Baber. It's L-Y-N-N-B as in boy, A-B-E-R.com, lynnbaber.com. And you have amazinggraysministry.com. Ah, is there anything those else are, you would... Go ahead. Those are just, you know, whatever makes most sense because they actually will all pull to the same site, just different parts of the same site. Nice. Okay. So it's actually okay. just if my name does it or Christian Horse Training, just whatever is easiest to remember. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. And your books are on Amazon. I'm sure they're available. They're yes. gorgeous, gorgeous books, and they are so heartwarming and so brilliant. You've packed so many... Nuggets of wisdom and truth into the books. Thank you so much for your love of animals and for your love of horses and for your love of God. So thank you, Lynn. Well, thank you so much, and I just hope your your um, your listeners are blessed by what they hear from you, and then share that with someone else. Yes, yes. Pay it forward. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, have a good day. You too. Bye bye. <laughs> Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to the show. 
For more information or to listen to other podcasts, go to valheart.com forward slash blog. And if you're someone who values a non-invasive, holistic solution to resolving problems with your dogs, cats, and horses, and you want better behaved, healthier, and happier animals, just go to my website at valheart.com to apply for a complimentary happy animal assessment session. And be sure and remember to look for my CDs on iTunes. Learning how to talk with animals is fun and will change your life. So while you're there at my site, get my free Quick Start Animal Talk course and check out the world's first complete animal communication made easy system. May the love of animals bless you, teach you, inspire you, heal you, and reconnect you to the circle of life. <laughs>